0: listening to Podcasting Paradigms with David Truss and my guest Jeff Richardson. I first met Jeff at EduCon a couple years ago and right away I could tell he was someone who knew how to r- ask the right questions and if you listen to our, my previous podcast with David Jakes you'll see exactly what I mean. But today I turn the tables and I ask him some questions about being an instructional coach and I hope you enjoy please remember that if you enjoy these podcasts to uh, give them a like on iTunes or wherever you happen to listen. Thanks so much, and enjoy the conversation with Jeff Richardson. I'm sitting with Jeff Richardson at South by Southwest EDU in Austin, Texas. And you, if you'd listen to the uh, David Jake's podcast he was one of the background speakers and uh, asked some good questions and so now uh, I wanted to give him a little bit of time so first things first Jeff tell us a little bit about yourself
1: uh, my name Jeff Richardson and I'm a uh, instructional technology coach instructional coach is what I like to call myself but a lot of times I to do with technology from Hoover Alabama I work with two middle schools and we're a one-to-one environment with Chromebooks uh, suburban schools Um, used to teach kids about history um, and uh, love my job it's a great opportunity, love coming to stuff like this glad to have met you and forged a relationship from this and uh, Educon last year Um, and just glad to be able to uh, share this conference with you and uh, learn from you and alongside you and uh, do uh, this podcast
0: yeah and uh, and that's one of those things where, uh, you know, Twitter makes the initial connections, but then it's the face-to-face interactions that are really good. I like your distinction of being uh, an instructional coach that's related to the technology as as opposed to just instructional technology coach. And one of the things our district has done is where uh, Stephen Wiffen and Dave Sands have initiated what they call the pedagogical help desk. And that help desk is really focusing on how do you use technology to assist in the pedagogical goals? Right. And so, just calling it the pedagogical help desk is that shift away from, you know, the technology is important, but where it's important is are you using the right tool? Right. Right. And uh, and I think that's a, a really important thing. So um, you're going to talk to me specifically about what yeah. So you that's think.
1: a that's a a good uh, sort of entry point for me. So. In, in in the coaching world just technology coach was the original title and, and we've been one-to-one for five years and I've been a coach this is my 11th year as a coach and so inevitably as a coach I wrestle with or, or, or a challenge is being seen by my teachers my clients really as somebody who's there to help just with technology and so that puts me in a box immediately it affects the relationships that we have it affects how they want to utilize what I have to offer and so I started sort of just calling myself an instructional coach. And we have reading coaches, and we have math coaches, and we, so we have some other coaches as well. So, but, but not to take away from what they do, but just for me, I think that vocabulary is key, you know, mm-hmm. and, and in how teachers see me, and, and trying to get over the hurdle now that we've, we've been through a whole technology cycle. We've gone from just putting projectors and document cameras in rooms to now we're doing one-to-one. Google Apps, all that stuff, to get to the place where it's not technology, it's a tool, but really let's look at the, the pedagogy, let's look at what we're doing with, what, what questions are we asking, and, and so um, to, to um, find ways for me to engage teachers on that level beyond technology. For me to be seen in my role as someone who can help plan units, lessons, activities that are gonna be empowering for kids, even if there is no technology involved. Like, my role doesn't stop where technology, okay, well we're going from an activity that's in Google Classroom to something where we're pen and paper or we're brainstorming or prototyping, okay, well then we don't need Jeff because he's the technology coach and I'm trying to sort of break down that barrier. Not that there's necessarily a perceived one, but I think the vocabulary has has created um, sort of a divide there and so I'm trying to kind of get over that and so,
0: Well, I know one of the things that's interesting there is um, that that language piece has always been important to me and uh, we learn and grow. And so if I look back to, um, you know, uh, seven, eight years ago, I was one of those uh, people that was a proponent that, you know, it's not about the technology, it's about the learning. Right. And that statement is is scary too. I wrote a blog post, you know, and I said uh, and I said, you know, you can use a hammer to hammer a nail, and you can use it to hit someone in the skull, right? And and the tool you're using and what you're using it for is really important. And there's that there's that blend, right? So, you know, you mentioned you could the best tool might be pen and paper. Right. Right? But the qu- the the key is number 1, what do you want the kids to learn? So, that's where the learning comes first. But number 2, to, tools are unfairly better or worse than each other.
1: Absolutely. And,
0: and recognizing that, and that's where that learning conversation is about, well, okay, given what I want to do, now let's look at the tools, and, and let's not just say you can use any tool, let's use the most effective tool. Yeah. So you're going to tell us a little bit about one specific tool that you find
1: really useful. So so uh, about a, well, a little over a year ago, I got involved with um, Google Earth for Education has an mm-hmm. outreach, um, <laughs> Team, and so through a few different circumstances, I ended up at a hackathon with um, 15 or 20 really bright geography teachers, uh, mainly middle middle level teachers uh, from around the United States, and some of them international. Uh, One was from Mexico, um, to help the team at Google behind Google Earth um, and their outreach education component figure out how to make Google Earth a good tool for education because they didn't want it just to be a consumer for the globe they wanted to focus specifically on what they could do for education and they released the new it's not really new anymore it's almost a year old the Google Earth the new Google Earth which is on the web so that it could be accessible on Chromebooks and so uh, or, or web-based but really I think they're focusing on Chromebooks because that's dominating so much of the market and our school system is one-to-one with Chromebooks so I was excited about that and and this led me on this journey of of Um, I'm just a map nerd. I'm a geo nerd. I never taught geography specifically. I taught world history, but I'm one of those people that can just look at maps. It it, it takes me, it gives me the opportunity to explore places that I probably will never get to go in the physical. And um, it helps me make sense of the world. And I have a a good understanding of the world. I think a lot of it comes from just taking the time to explore maps and and, um, all things geography. and so ended up on this journey with with this amazing group of other educators and discovered the power in these tools and so I'm always looking for ways to meet a teacher's need with a tool that's going to be the hammer that's used to repair the roof not to knock someone over the head with right yeah but also as we're using that tool to be able to challenge them and what is it that you really want kids to be able to do Mm -hmm. so let's let's maybe use this tool as an introduction for me to get in in a classroom and start to um, show them that their kids can do things differently. And then um, before they know it, I've convinced them that, hey, let's try this bigger project and and use these tools to engage kids in thinking about their world differently and exposing them. And so middle school is all about exposure. Let's Mm -hmm. give them, a chance to see the world in a different light, and a lot of—I t- mean, my my thought is a lot of kids spend their time riding in the car in their own communities mm-hmm. with their head down, looking at a phone or watching a screen
0: yeah. on
1: the DVD player, and and they're not as aware of the world around them as a lot of times we think they are. And so, mm-hmm. simply going in and exploring using Google Earth is is allowing them to take adventures that they would not normally get to have. And then you add the layer of. Um, economics or population or natural green spaces versus concrete jungles you know and starting to add some of these layers of data and helping them to interpret these for purposes that that matter in their community Mm -hmm. Um, well it fits right in with what the teachers are wanting to do in their classrooms but it's giving the kids the ownership of learning through using these tools one um, Google provides a tool like Google Earth or Google time lapse that's a Consumable, and kids can explore in them, but then they also have My Maps where they can create. And so they can, they can tell the stories they want to tell through layering on a map that they can draw on, they can add pictures, they can add all kinds of information, and then they have a product that they've created, um, hopefully telling a story that matters to them. Um, and, and I've seen that happen in a few classrooms where the teachers have been willing to sort of let go of, well. I need teach. I need my kids to learn the countries, right? Or I, I need to. They need to know the capitals of these places. Well, they might learn the countries and the capitals along the way. But let's let's look at issues that matter within our own little space and and introduce the kids to those spaces. And I, I think there's a, a level of interest because kids connect with place because they're all in a place. Um, they've all been places, and and it may just be to the neighboring city. And some of our kids have been to. F- you know other countries and so somewhere they connect with place Um, it's it's for me to have something that I can bring into all the different content areas is really important I can't just have a tool that's useful in this class because I work with a range of teachers so the geo tools work in science they work in math can you give me a
0: specific example in science?
1: um, so we have a have a um, our school shares a border with the local um, nature preserve Um, and within that preserve has been mapped but the biodiversity in that space hasn't been geolocated and and captured and so um, having a science class go out take pictures of the the plants and the animals i think they probably got more pictures of plants than they did animals Mm -hmm. because we don't have a whole you know it's kind of difficult to get a picture of an animal maybe some frogs or whatnot but then they were able to take these pictures, um, using a device that was geolocating the pictures, Yes. okay, bring that data from, from a spreadsheet into Google's My Maps product, so it drops a pin on a map where that picture is, and then they go in, do the research on that thing, whether it's a fern, we have some, uh, we're in Alabama, but we have in this space cactus that grow. So it's yeah. pretty unique, and the kids never even realized um, that, that one of the places in this preserve there's only I think three of them on the whole globe a similar ecoscape that has the the type of stone and the type of plants and so this is literally in the backyard of the school and so they were they were given a new awareness of the environment but but they were able to see the relationship of, of thing to location and and it was something that um, was created that that our city doesn't even have so it's that and and we haven't taken it to that point to where it's been um i see this as being something that could be added to the website where people can go and click on oh well here's a example of one of these cactus or this particular violet and you could actually see where it's located in the preserve and then you could go there and see it for yourself if you chose to but if not at least you know so
0: the, the, a piece related to that I think is, um, I, I you know most people think of BC as British British Columbia as uh, you know the 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 Great North, but we actually are a, a rainforest as well. And uh, one of the challenges we have in in our communities are evasive plants, right? So plants that have been brought from from other places and growing right. either domestically but have or yeah. or or intentionally. Um, uh, you know, with gardens and so on, and uh, just th- that the removal of those is a big thing that we do, but the, just the the monitoring and tracking right. of where they are, and uh, that that can be really a, a telling thing that, that can then be, not only be used in the sciences, but then you can use that data to
1: right. do these things
0: in math as well.
1: And, and to to be able to visualize that data. Yes. And so for, to, to go beyond the data, to have that experience okay. where, because data is... Every point of data is a story, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, behind every statistic that we know about schools, there's a kid sitting in a desk somewhere. And so... But but I'll pause
0: there and say, you say every data piece is a story, but the story that's the data that you pull out of a textbook to, to learn how to manipulate that data is boring as hell for a, true. For true. a student, yes. right? And so what what something like the, the geolocation of, of different pieces of those sources of data can do is Make the data real for the student.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: and make that connection. Uh, we have a we have a student in in our school, and he's really interested in traffic flow and can't stand two really busy intersections. And so what he's done is uh, he's researched roundabouts from all around the world. He's studied the traffic flow of these intersections. That's data that's right. a, a free and available to look at. And he's using Google Maps and superimposing, I didn't even know you could do this, but superimposing his layer, where he's redesigned this, these uh, these two intersections. Um, and so th- to me, that, that's one of those cases where I didn't even know the tool was capable of doing that. And there's yeah. a student doing it. Uh, can you give me an example, uh, like another example where uh, that t- the tool's being used in a really unique way that, that you've seen uh, a teacher take it to serve another level?
1: So this is not, this is um, uh, an example from a teacher friend of mine here in Austin Mm -hmm. who um, I met through the Google Earth initiative. Um, His name's Josh Williams. He's G-E-Teach on Twitter, and he has an amazing website. So anybody listening, if you are are curious about the power of geo tools in the classroom, just Google G-E-Teach, and um, he's got a unique relationship with the team at Google Earth, and he sort of hacks everything they do. Um, nice. Very, very bright thinker, but he, he teaches ninth grade, and so right now he has his students working on um, a project in their community where a new marketplace called H-Market, I think we discussed this earlier maybe, but it's a um, Korean grocery store, mm-hmm. supermarket place. Yes. And so um, his students are using data that, they, that, that he's brought in for them um, from the county that shows where people live, the the um, demographics of the area, where where are the Korean populations, and where would we put a n- another H market? Where would be a a valuable location to have this? So they had to look at um, several different components, and this is just sort of his quick and dirty explanation of me and showing me what some of the students had done in the project, but. Um, Uh, not only did they have to look at the demographics, but they had to look at the um, zoning of the the land. So it couldn't just be, well, here's a good place. We could put one here. They had to say, okay, well, this is zoned residential. So you can't build a giant supermarket in a residential space. And so the kids have actually pinpointed the different places where you could put the footprint of one of these markets in a viable market where you could actually draw on the population that you're, you know serving. So these kids are starting to realize, okay, it does matter where you put a market or a school or a fire station or any of these places. And so that's a really like I want to take that back to my school. That's the thing that I want to take something like that back where the kids are working on. And that's a that's a created problem, right? These nobody came to him and asked him, "Hey, find a place to put this market," but the kids have been talking about that. And so he used that as a point of Operate or a point an opportunity for the kids to do something that matters in their own community and to see how all these pieces fit that it's not as simple as somebody coming in and saying oh well this is a, let, here's a big 1000 by 1000 piece of land let's put a Walmart here right it, it, there's got to be a purpose for it and there's a lot more that goes into these things and i think a lot of times if we don't give kids exposure to that, they don't they never even think about it. It's just there, right?
0: Well we, we we grew up hearing, you know, the three most important things about retail are location, location, location. And so that's one thing when you read it in a book. It's another when you are the person trying to figure, trying to out, figure how, it how, out how to yeah. do that. And and you know, embedded in in that is just that real world relevance. Right. right? That that I think is really important. And then and then again using data that is available to you. Yeah. And and I think that's that's an excellent opportunity. Is there anything else you want to talk about with respect to the, the, the Google tools? Um, and I will add, as much as we're talking about a tool, our whole conversation has been about why you use that absolutely. tool. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's the important
1: I mean, it, just to wrap up, to, to, to create meaningful experiences where kids are getting to do things that matter to them. Mm-hmm. And if you can as a coach, if I can help a teacher who, who knows the content way better than I do, because I'll never go in a classroom and, and, and promote myself as, as an expert in their content. I'm, I'm stepping into their arena. So to help them create an experience, regardless of the tool, um, to give kids an opportunity, A, to explore things that they may be curious about or things that they've long since been curious about, but to have a chance to dig into those things and ask some deep questions. And at the end of the day, they may never figure out where that, they may realize there's no place to put an H market in our community. Or they may realize that they really could care less about Moss Rock (laughs) Preserve and the plants that live there, but they've had an opportunity to explore something that they otherwise wouldn't have. Um, and, and, And they'll either find something they love or they'll be able to mark off the list something down the line that they realize, well, that's not an interest of mine. And it's just as important, I think, for us as, as humans <laughs> to know what we love as it is to know what we don't love, right, and and if I don't love it, I only have a finite amount of time, and I need to pour my time and energy into things that, A, I love, and B, that matter to the world. And so to give them that, that opportunity is key and, um, you know, exposure to to the world through geo tools, I think is just a great way to do it. I mean it's what Google Earth has created in the new earth with the Voyager stories and um, just the beauty of the three D imagery, it's incredible. I mean it I never show it to kids that they that that they say oh this is lame let's just let's move on to the next thing i have to tell them close that tab now so that we can move to the next thing because i know you're not going to listen to me (laughs) until we close that tab because you're going to be exploring you know they go they quickly go from finding their house because that's what they all do of course yeah to then um, they'll either roll the dice and it will take them somewhere completely random the new one has a has a I feeling lucky button and you yeah. click it and it just takes you somewhere random and, and they love that and that's you know, that's what school is meant to be it's that opportunity to explore and to check out things that um, you know you may say oh well this is, I never heard of this place let me go google it and see what I can find out you know more about it how do you get there what's it like there and, and that's the beginning of inquiry you know that's giving them that opportunity so
0: and that's on that opportunity. I think that's a great place to close. It's been an honor uh, spending a lot of time with you at yeah, this, definitely uh, this an honor conference, as well. and uh, I appreciate our conversations that have gone pretty deep in in, in a lot of different uh, areas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and when you have those that critical discourse with uh, people you highly respect, it's just that to me is even better than some of the. Uh, Well, a whole lot of the the different conference uh, meetings that we've had. So thank you so much. It's always about
1: relationship. Yeah, man. Definitely honor to do it. And uh, hopefully we'll get to chat again. Uh, Hope so.
0: Thank you, Jeff. If you enjoyed learning with me, independent of time, space, and place on this podcast, please remember to give it a like. Thank you.